Hey, 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 welcome to the Pastor Duke podcast. We're in sunny Sarasota, Florida. I have with me today one of my best friends in the whole wide world, Pastor Dave Bolka. He's been on my podcast before. Church planter in the Jersey side of the New York City Metroplex. Planted a church, has planted a bunch of other church. Church planters are my heroes, <laughs> even though I are a church planter too. Welcome back to the Pastor Duke podcast, Dave Bolka. It's uh, great to be here. And you know what? <laughs> I thank God for your friendship. Ah, shucks. Well, Dave introduced me to my wife, summer of 76. Then what happened a few years later, Dave? Well, Duke, he introduced me to my sweetie pie, too. Yeah. I'll tell you what. We, I owed you one, man. And i tell you what. It's just been great. And God yeah. takes a couple nobody schmucks from nowheresville and calls us into his ministry. We're talking today about the will of God. As young men, we had that thrown in our face in our various churches. As young men, God put a fire in our hearts. And uh, I used to hear people talking about using that phrase, what's the will of God? I'm like, what's that all about? <laughs> Amen. I'm going to quote a scripture verse. I'm going to turn it over to you for a second, uh, Brother Dave. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, I think, are the neatest verses in the Word of God on this topic. It says, I beseech you, therefore. There's some drama there. Paul's like, get hold of this, man. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. You have it open there? Yeah, I got it. Okay. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will, will of, God. of God. Amen. You know, now we're old men. And we're looking back, and I remember that drama, you know, I'm just a young guy. What's the will of God? That's God's plans for our life. What does he want us to do? And for me, and I know for you, soon after we were saved and delivered out of this corrupt world from a rocker and drugs and stupid, foolish alcohol, we were called of God, and we knew it. When I met you, that's about all we knew. We're called of God, and we were surrendered that. We're in Bible college. We're going to get the word of God in our heart, but we needed to find a woman, <laughs> and we're going to need miracles on that because we ain't the best-looking guys in the world <laughs> and uh wh where are we going to oh, preach boy. are we going to plant churches are we going to be missionaries all we knew is what god had revealed to us at that time and we were on on point for that and uh, there was a lot of drama especially that woman part of the deal <laughs> a lot of drama well i tell you in my life you know i i'm a i love to work with my hands and my desire from going to Votech in high school was to go into air conditioning and heating. But I got saved when I was right in the middle of that Votech training at high school, and I had plans to go to air conditioning. But you know what? God closed the door. I applied to go to Ferris State in Michigan, Big Rapids, and they said, sorry, the class is filled. You can't come. Yeah, that's amazing. You, you're going to have to wait till next semester. So I said, well, what am I going to do? And my pastor and his wife had been praying for me that God would call me into ministry. And so I said, you know, I'll go take a couple courses at Bible college, and then I'll go to Ferris State. Well, guess Just what? occupy your time a little bit yeah. while you're waiting. And so, because I, I was a new Christian, I wanted to learn about the Bible. And here I go 
to Ferris State, I mean, I go to Midwestern Baptist College, just, you know, part-time. During that time, God said, Dave, no to air conditioning, but yes to reaching people who are eternal souls. So God was sort of redirecting your steps. Right. Now, why do you think he was doing that? Obviously, he called you to preach, but what do you think uh, was happening in your daily walk that might have uh, well, brought see, that on? Well, see, what happens is when you get saved and you become a child of God, God has a whole new plan for your life because prior to that, you didn't have God's spirit in you. And it's sort of like a balloon that's empty laying on the shelf at the party store. It's not doing what it's supposed to do. That's what I was doing. I wasn't doing what God wanted. But once the Holy Spirit came into me and my balloon was inflated, he says, I don't want you to stay on this shelf. I want you to go to New Jersey and become a church planner. So the will of God unfolding into your life and mine and in <clears throat> all of us was progressive. He, he, we were at wherever we were at with a certain heart attitude and God kicks in. We're going the wrong way. And he stopped you. Exactly. He closes the doors. Yeah. I mean, and I just didn't have peace about going to Ferris state, but I had peace about continuing to go to Midwestern Bible college. And I ended up surrendering my life. Lord, here am I send me. I wrestled with it. It was my will against God's will. But when I finally surrendered, I had peace in my heart. Well, that kind of takes us back to the verse in Romans. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body. There's our, our part of the deal. From that text, I learned God wants us to know his will. He's not like our opponent against me playing chess. If I make the wrong move, checkmate, he wipes me out. No, he's, he's my teammate. He wants me to win. He wants us to know his will. But there's the human side of that. Well, you know, in Romans 12, 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Number one, I'm going to give you, I think, eight or seven S's here. This is okay, how you, here's the preacher coming out. This in, is yeah. how you know the will of God. <laughs> Number one, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Number one, how do you become a brethren? You have to be saved. You have to be saved. And so you have to have Jesus in your heart. That's how that obey the written will of God. Be born again. Number two, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, be saved by the mercies of God present your bodies. The second thing you got to do is once you get saved, you need to be surrendered. Yep. You need to be a living sacrifice. Say, Lord, I'm going to lay my body, my mind, yeah. my soul and spirit on the altar. Use me. And so, in our lives, that was, you know, getting off that tobacco and the drugs and the booze and all the things that were, we had to surrender our body. And willing to say, Lord, not me, not my will. I don't want to, I'm not, I want to be an air conditioner guy, but Lord, I'm, I'm willing to give that up. What is your will? And uh, sort of like Abraham, he could have stayed in Ur of Chaldees, but the Lord said, no, I want you to go to Canaan. The next thing he says is, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. So be saved, present your body a living sacrifice, be a sacrifice. And then he says, holy. You know, God wants us to be sanctified. Set apart. Set apart in worshiping him giving your life to holiness. Hide his word in our heart. Having righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Having a whole, holy thoughts, holy words, uh, holy lifestyle. 
We're, we're called saints as a result. So be saved, surrendered, sacrificed, be sanctified, holy. But then notice, which is your, he says, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So see, when you are saved, surrendered, sacrificed, sanctified, being holy, this is pleasing, acceptable to God. And he says, which is your reasonable service. So the fourth thing is to not only be saved, surrendered, sacrificed, sanctified, but serve the Lord. Start serving God. Hey, if he wants you to work in the nursery or pass out tracts or be an usher or whatever, just be willing to serve in the church, and God will begin to lead you as you serve him. Mm-hmm. I heard uh, back in my Bible college days this little phrase on that point that was a life changer for me. And the little phrase was opportunity is obligation. There's a need. Don't wait for somebody else to meet that need. You meet it. Just just the little things every day in the church, serving in the nursery, ushering, coming in on Saturday. Cleaning the bathroom. Yeah, whatever it is, serve. Amen. And then the next part, he says, verse 2, he says, be not conformed to this world. You know, if you really want to know the will of God living in holiness, God's not going to lead a dirty vessel. He wants you to be clean. And so he says, be separated from the world. He says, be not conformed to this world. And this is lacking in a lot of Christians. You know, they go home from church and they watch R-rated movies and they uh, watch. Fill their minds with uh, yucky stuff. Yeah, Yeah. they fill their minds. And, you know, God wants us to be separated from worldliness. Come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And when you're separated unto the Lord, just like a high priest, he was separated to the Lord. What he wore and what he did and when he showed up, he just followed the instructions of the Lord. If he didn't do that. He would not have been in God's will. He'd have missed it. Like Aaron's two sons. Yeah. They were getting drunk, committing fornication with women. They were priests. Is that Hophni and Phinehas? Yeah. yeah and okay. God sent I get a down, point for that. I get a point for yeah, that. That's I, Bible I, trivia there. And what did God do? He, he yeah. had a barbecue that day. Yeah. He sent down fire and burned those two guys up. Yeah. Separation is Separation. a very important principle. But then the next principle, it says... Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Have your mind saturated with Scripture. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not. Sing Scripture, memorize Scripture, meditate on Scripture, hear Scripture, read Scripture. I mean, just be a, a Bible lover and obey it. And so be saved, surrendered, a sacrifice, serving others in the church and the Lord separated from worldliness, saturated with the word of God and the spirit-filled and spirit-led Christian. And, you know, when you're filled with all those eight or seven S's, like a balloon is filled with helium, God's going to lead you and guide you into his perfect will. And he led me to New Jersey. (laughs) And then he led me up to state New York to Thanksgiving to meet you where you introduced me to Kathy to be my wife and and I tell you what ever since then we've been trying to follow these things one thing I love about Duke is he loves the word of God this man is reading scripture uh he's the bible man to me and I thank God and and I can see God's blessing in his life he's in the center of God's will because he lets Christ abide in him and God's word abide in him 
you know, I want to circle back to that word you read from the text there, transformed by the renewing. That transformation isn't what we do. We don't make that happen. Transformation is something that God does because we are doing all these things. And I love that. I'm not a Greek scholar or anything, but there's a few words, Greek words that jump out at me through the years. This is one of them. The word transform comes from the Greek word metamorphomai, from which we get the English word metamorphosis. And metamorphosis is the in a geological sense is when you take graphite that's worth virtually almost nothing, you know, pencil lead graphite under time and extreme pressure is transformed into diamonds. Isn't that cool? And in a biological sense, uh, metamorphosis, when you take an ugly, creepy caterpillar and he eats and gets all fat and gooey and could scare the girls with it. And he climbs up in the tree and it's God's time. He cocoons himself wraps himself up as kind of separated, like you said, like God said, actually, you didn't mm-hmm. say that. You're just quoting God. Separated from the world and kind of isolated. And God, inside that creepy caterpillar, is enveloped in that silk cocoon that he spun. And inside, transformation is taking place. And a few months later, in God's time, that little creepy caterpillar has been transformed into a beautiful butterfly. Now, here's where it really gets cool. In this process of finding the will of God, surrendering to the will of God, that butterfly chews a little hole in the bottom of that cocoon, the side where his mouth is, and he's got to squeeze himself through that. And it's a life and death struggle. It's not easy. And when he makes it out, you know, after that struggle, he spreads his wings and they dry and he flies away and does beautiful butterfly things. And creates more butterflies. Amen. And, uh, but, you know, scientists were observing this. that The mortality rate was like 20%. Well, let's fix this. Uh, we don't want 20% of these butterflies to die. We need them for this agricultural purpose. So they tried to help it out a little bit, cut that little hole at the bottom that they chewed, you know, triple the size of that so they don't have to struggle. They just come out and no, none of them died. Well, woohoo, we got victory. No struggle. None of them died. That was initially. Then they noticed something went wrong. These butterflies that they helped out and they didn't have to struggle, they came out and their wings were weak and they couldn't fly and they all died. Wow. The mortality rate was 100%. And and see, the life was in the struggle. Squeezing through that literally took their body juices, whatever you call butterfly body juices, squeezed it out into their wings. And so the, the struggle was necessary. And a lot of people you know, seeking the will of God, they think, oh, it's easy. I'd go to church, say my prayers, and I'll be rich and wealthy and healthy and happy. And No, 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 no. There's going to be a struggle in all of this. You're still going to have struggles. And it says in James, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. Count it all joy when you go through struggles because God's going to use that to deepen your walk and your faith and, and finding his yeah. will. Yeah. I've heard it put it this way, and I want your comments on this. You know, the will of God is is twofold in our lives. Number one, there's the general will of God that's pretty much the same for all of us, and some of that was included in the text that you read. It's sort of like it's written down. Yeah. So you, talk about that. Like the general will of God is found in the Scriptures, like you sure. must be born again. The Bible says, be not unequally yoked. For example, if you're seeking a wife, don't. Marry a non-believer. So the Bible is very specific, like the Ten Commandments, very specific. No other gods before me, no idols. Don't say my name in vain. Uh, Honor your father and mother. So we see God's specific will written down. 
So that's his general will. Yeah. I've heard it just summarized this way. Simply obey what God has shown you. You can't ask God to give you the specific direction if you're not already listening to what he's told you. Do not forsake the assembly of yourself. Hide his word in our heart might sin against God. Let your voice be heard. Share the gospel with people. So, you know, it isn't like, well, you show me your specific will, and then I'll decide if I want it. You'll never find the will of God that way. Right. As you had shared before, we've got to be sold out on fire, God's word in our heart, being obedient to the things that he has told us to do is a personal spiritual disciplines. And then it gets exciting as we go from the general will of God to the specific will of God. You mean God can help us find the specific job, specific wife, specific college or education? You mean God can do that? I think, I think that was, so we're kind of getting around to pastor Dave. I think that's it. And you know what? I think those are the most exciting things in my life. I was dreaming about them as a young man. Now we're not young men anymore. <laughs> well, I think of the apostle Paul when he was planting churches in Turkey and he said, Lord, I'm going to go back and visit these churches over in Turkey. And the Holy spirit said, no, you're not. I want you to go to a new place called Philippi. Mm -hmm. And he had the Macedonia call. Watch that. You know, it it takes me back. He had just finished that first missionary journey, launching on the second, a little fuss with Barnabas over John Mark. Now we've got two teams. They had a little division there, but they coordinated their efforts. I'm going to Asia, God said. No, you're not. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll go to Bithynia. No, you won't. God closed the door. And you know what God did is he gave him a vision, a dream. And today, ideas will come to your mind. For example, when I started a church in West Orange, New Jersey, we needed a building. So I said, Lord, where can I find a building for our church? And Ooh, I love this story, Brother Dave. And you know what happened (laughs) is I began to pray and and here I was driving a school bus and one day I walked back to say hello to this school bus driver and another bus as we were waiting for kids to get out of school. I said, how you doing? He says, what's your name? And he told me, he says, my name is Dave Bennett. I said, my name's Dave too. And here I find out he's a Baptist preacher and he's pastoring First Baptist Church of Caldwell. And that church happens to only be like five miles from where we were renting a building. And he said, you know what? Uh, I'd like you to come by and meet me. He says, I'm thinking about retiring and We need someone new to come into our church. And you know what? The Lord opened the door, and we were able, by God's grace, to eventually bring our church into that church. And what I'm saying is that God gave us peace. We prayed about it. And as you, in all your ways, acknowledge him, he will direct your paths. You know, I go back to Paul, that closed door. Paul didn't have many closed doors, but you talked about closed door. I'm not going into air conditioning thing. I thought it was going to be a missionary to England. God closed the door. Closed doors are a blessing. In the moment, they kind of hurt and they confuse us, but they're good. So Paul, the apostle Paul had two closed doors and then the Macedonian call. In the Bible, I love this. It says, he knew assuredly that God had guided him. 
ah, yes, thank you, Lord. And I remember you were a single guy and you're starting a church and you're meeting this place and just praying for somebody to give enough money to pay your $25 a week rent, whatever it was. And then, you know, we're in this rented space and we're growing. People are getting saved and lives are changing. Young men are rising up beneath you. You're little Timothy guys. Like I had Bill Blake and sure. you had guys. Steve and Steve, and others. Yeah, yeah. It's friends. These are friends for life. I just talked with Steve this morning on Facebook or texted. And here you are in this place with this need. You don't have any money, but you've got a great big God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Yeah. You were in the will of God and he guided you to the next step then soon you knew assuredly that God was in this. So talk a little bit about that process of, of you know, single preacher, a little bit how a woman's going to come into your life. Sure. Well, you know, properties. Well, of course, you know, we were able to rent a building, but I was single. And uh, I was saying, Lord, please help me find a wife. Lord, who's going to marry a, a Baptist preacher? My wife was praying oh, for you, man. Dave. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, a lot of people were, and I appreciate it. And so I, I took interest in this one girl who I thought was God's choice for me. She was a Bible college oh, graduate. She's a great gal, I remember. She played the piano. She had graduated from Bible college. She only lived a half hour away. But she had just gone through an emotional breakup she was supposed to get married and I all of a sudden I began to become her friend and I was pursuing her and I was pushing her to hey maybe we can get married she said I'm not really interested in that God closed the door he closed the door and but then I know how that feels Duke Duke (laughs) said hey Dave come on up and I want you to come up here for Thanksgiving and what does he do I I go up there and uh, I was a setup yeah and he introduces me to Kathy And, uh, of course, you know, when I met her, the first thing I said to her, so are you saved? (laughs) (laughs) Dave was lacking a little bit in the uh, boy, girl. uh, And she said, yes, I am. I said, that's great. And so then we started to write, and within eight months, we were married. How about that? And I mean, but the thing is, it just flowed. There was peace. What she wanted, I wanted to serve God. And she was spirit-filled. She was saved, surrendered, sanctified, serving, separated, saturated with the word, and spirit-led. And I said, wow, it's a perfect match. And you got a screaming amen from the Duke Meister and, and Miss Joellen. And by the way, you owed me and I owe you now. <laughs> we both married up a bit, did we not? We did. Well, you know, we've lived through these principles that we're sharing with you. I just have a a scripture that I read this morning out of Genesis. Here, Abraham has a son, Isaac, and Abraham's got all these big promises. A great nation is going to be born. He's got one kid. (laughs) He's supposed to be a nation. He's 40 years old, hadn't had a date yet. Isaac was worse off than you were, Dave. Wow. And uh, he needed help. So dad sends his servant to go out. Now, it's really cool. We're in Genesis 24. It took God 31 verses to create the whole universe. It took him 67 verses to find a wife for Isaac. It shows how God is willing to get involved in the messy details of our lives. As here we are, you need to find a woman, and he's not doing so good. He needs help. Thank you. You helped me find Joellen, and I helped you find Kathy. So the servant gets these kind of long instructions from Abraham go here, say this, go to this place, look for these people. And so the servant does that. He goes out and he meets Rebecca. He's in the right place. God sends the right person around and he reviews all those details with her. And she gets that aha moment like, 
this seems to be from God. This doesn't feel like a coincidence. Is this divine providence? And then she says, come home and meet my family. And he does. So before he does anything, he reviews all of those principles before. And the family's listening to this. And they have a sense of the supernatural. They have a sense that God is moving here. And she surrenders to that call. But it's the longest chapter in Genesis. And yet... It was one of the shortest acquaintances because she only knew this guy for like 12 well, she hours. Met, she only met the servant. She hadn't even met Isaac yet. I mean, she met him. She knew him 12 hours, and, and 12 hours later or 24 hours later, she says, I don't, I don't know this guy, but I'm going with him. And she did it because she knew God was in it. I know people been together for a year and they're emotional. Oh, we love, 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 love. And it ain't love. It's lust. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and God's not in it just because they feel like it. But for her, it was just the evidence of God. And that's what I think all Christian people were really seeking to have that full assurance as Paul had. He knew assuredly that God was in this. And she, she stepped out by faith too. Oh, Huge point. Hit that a little harder. Oh, you know, because the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So uh, Rebecca, she said, I just met this guy t like 12 hours ago, and I'm supposed to make a decision. Am I going with him? And I'm going to be traveling like 800 miles. I mean, that's like to us 8,000 miles today. So she said, Lord, here am I. She surrendered her body to the Lord a living sacrifice, and she said, Here am I, Lord, send me. And she stepped out by faith, and she said, I'm going to follow what you're leading me to do, Lord. And when you step out by faith, that's when God steps in, and he just blesses. And you know who gets all the glory? Amen, the Lord. Amen, amen. The Lord. That's a rather important point. God will give his blessings, his favor upon people, but he'll share his glory with no one. See, when you pursue your own will, you give yourself the glory. But when you pursue God's will and you see all his blessings, you know what you do that day and 20 or 30 or 50 years later, you give him the glory. Amen. And you know it was him. It was him. It was him. Jesus saves. You know, that point, uh, she just has that, that moment that this is God intervening in my life. She surrenders. How about Mary when the angel comes to Mary? She recognizes an angel. What did she say? She said, according to God's will, here I am. Lord, thy will be done. I'm willing to be your servant. I'm in. I'm in. How about Paul on the Damascus Road? He's going to Damascus to kill the Christians. He meets Jesus. What's he say? Lord, what would you have me to do? Here am I. Send me. Yeah, it's kind of up front. Right Same with Isaiah. In Isaiah uh, 6, the Lord said, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And what did he say? Here am I. I just went blank there. Thank you. <laughs> Here am I. Send, Send me. me. <laughs> yeah. And, and of course, the ultimate, the ultimate example is Jesus himself. The Garden of Gethsemane is the reality, the drama, the physical, emotional, spiritual pain that he was just ready to step into. What does he say? He said, not my will, Lord, but thy will be done. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But, Lord, not my will, thy will be done. And so there's that common denominator of finding the will of God, kind of doing the right things along the way with the right heart attitude. You're asking him, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. 
you know, a church didn't get planted in New Jersey that planted a whole bunch of other churches in New Jersey and missionaries all around the world just because you're sitting at a prayer meeting in Detroit saying, Lord, what do you have me to do? Then you put some feet to that, and you went out on a little survey trip. Tell us a little bit about that survey trip. Well, when I was in my last year of Bible college, I said, Lord, where do you want me to go? You call me to preach. You don't want me to be an air conditioning guy. And four years later, I've studied. I know this is your will. Where do you want me to go? And I heard in Bible college, go east, go east. And so I took a week off from when they were having a Bible conference at Midwestern. Dr. Malone said, you go ahead. I'll give you permission to miss the Bible conference. So I went out and I went and visited some men of God who had stepped out by faith, seeking the will of God. And the first guy I went to visit was up in Clifton Park, New York, and that was my good friend, Duke. And I drove out there, knocked on his door, woke him up. He had just well, Saturday worked. morning, wasn't it? I don't know, but he had worked, I think, at UPS, yeah, UPS that at night. night. And so I woke him up, and I said, I'm here, brother. I want to see what God's doing. Maybe God wants me out here in the East Coast. You showed me your ministry and what God was doing, attended your services, met your people. Then God led me up to New England, visited some men up there. And then what happened is uh, uh, I ended up going to Rhode Island, met a pastor there, went to Connecticut, went down to Staten Island, met Mel Sabaka. And you know what? God eventually led me through Jersey, and I saw needy people. I saw a girl crying on a Saturday morning sitting on a rock at 10 o'clock in the morning in an abandoned field. And I, I, saw, I stopped, and I pulled over. I said, what's wrong? She said, I've been walking all night from a party that I had up in Sussex County, and I'm so tired, I'm cold, and I, I just want to get home. And, um, I, and I, when I saw that, I said, Lord, there's needy people in New Jersey. And so God began to show me the multitudes and move my heart with compassion. You know, after I went through New Jersey, I ended up driving all night to Ohio. And there in Ohio, I wanted to go to Maslin, Baptist Temple and hear Dr. Bruce Cummins. And so I, I'm driving into this town. I don't even know where the church is at. Prior and to I, GPS days. And no GPS. And I said, maybe this church bus will lead me to his church. I, and I was trying to find out what church is on the side of this bus, but I couldn't see the writing. So I just followed, kept following the bus, and it brought me right into the parking lot of the church I wanted to go to. And then I went into the service, and you know what the preacher preached on? How to know the will of God. And that's where I heard these seven S's out of uh, Romans 12. Be saved, be surrendered, be a sacrifice, be sanctified, be serving, be separated, be saturated with the Word of God, be spirit-led. 44 years later, you still remember the outline right off the top of your head. And I'm telling you, God, I was so moved. Lord, you're speaking to me. I'm going to find your will. And he led me to New Jersey, and everything has just been a blessing. Hindsight's clearer than foresight, isn't it? Amen. And I look back and I say that the key issue is our heart attitude. You know, I have my favorite quote on the will of God came from a missionary, Garland Cofield to Northern Ontario candidate, Baptist International Missions missionary. He's a man's man, built a great church, a great camp. God used him hugely. He's just been with the Lord now for maybe five or six years. I became good friends with his kids and 
Dr. Cofield said, as he came to do the missionary conference at my church, we had all these young men on fire for God, Larry DeNovo, who's one of our bestest friends, and John Horn, and all these young men on fire for God, and they, Brother Cofield, how do you know the will of God? How do you find the will of God? He goes, you guys are all asking the same question. I'm not even going to answer you here. I'm going to just go to the pulpit and reveal this to you. So he gets to the pulpit. We're all ready. What's he going to say? I'll never forget it. This is like 35, 38 years ago, and I remember it today like it was this morning. He said, you guys are all worried about the will of God. He goes, I never much did worry about it. I just got really close to God, served with all of my might, and did what I wanted to do. And now I'm old, and I look back on all that's been done, and I believe I was in the will of God all along the way. I think that's pretty cool. Amen. And he was a fruitful man of God. Much fruit on earth, the Father. Now, we can't produce fruit, but we can be in his will, and in his will, usually a whole bunch of fruit does abound. And so there's no greater topic. I hope our listeners are thinking about the will of God for their lives. I, I think I think you are listeners, or you wouldn't be wasting your time listening to this. <laughs> uh-huh. Hope it's been a blessing to you, man. And here we are, Dave. We're older men now. We're in the final part of our journey. I want to finish well, dear brother. Amen. It started by faith. Well, you know, brother, why don't we pray for those that are listening? Yeah, lead us, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a God that not only lives in heaven, but you live in our heart through Jesus Christ. And Lord, if there's someone out there that has not yet invited Jesus into their heart, we pray that they will do that right now, that they will confess with their mouth, Lord Jesus, I want you to be Lord. And you'll believe in their heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead. And the Bible says they'll be saved. My friend, call on Jesus and be saved right now. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Because that's the first step to finding the will of God. Obey his written will. Be born again. Be saved. But Lord, those that are saved, we pray you'll continue to lead them and guide them by your word. May the Bible guide them. And Lord, that's another thing that should guide us is the scriptures. One reason I came to New Jersey is because you told me from a scripture in Genesis where you said, Abraham, arise and go to a land that you know not. And Lord, you use that scripture to guide me. And may we be led by scripture. But Lord, guide us, lead us as we abide in you and your words abide in us. Lord, fill us with your spirit and help us to be a light and a testimony to this world. So bless the listeners And may we all learn how to know and discern the will of God. And may we share it with others so they can be blessed also. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Hey, uh, listening audience, thanks for being with us again. Get to hear one of my best friends, Dave Balka. Love you, Duke. (laughs) We want to glorify God in this part of our journey. And we look back and say, you know what, bro? I think we really were in the will of God. We went to the right schools. We married the right girls. Hey, thank you, Lord. Beautiful women are willing to marry ugly men if we get close enough to Jesus. Amen. Amen. That's good preaching. (laughs) I preached at a Liberty University. 7,000 young men came forward, rededicated their lives to Jesus. I just made that up, but I did preach it at Liberty. We didn't give an infant. Hey, 
folks thanks for listening uh like share subscribe all that kind of stuff help us get this word out wherever you go love you bye-bye for now Groovy, man. Groovy. <laughs> <laughs>